Good to see everybody out tonight. Page 55 in the Brown Book. You may be seated. It won't be very long till this last shall end. It won't be very long till Jesus shall be sin. And then the dead in Christ from edge glitch shall rise to meet the Lord and
Can't live at home in this world anymore. 
we'll do one more, page 177, before we do this one. Uh, I know y'all was looking for me to say I made a mistake this morning and it didn't take up an offering, but I didn't make a mistake. Kim did. <laughs> no, they said it was in the bulletin that uh, we was going to take up pastor appreciation this morning, but uh, it's next Sunday morning that we're taking up for pastor appreciation. So y'all remember that? Next Sunday morning, bring me all your money. <laughs> Let's all stand. <laughs> Just don't make a mistake next. <laughs> <laughs> I read a dove was in the spirit one day. He heard a voice of his head. In the most Jesus said, full of sin and man to reparate. Just let the man want to say.
good to see all of you tonight. You glad to be in the house of God? Say amen. 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 Good to see all of you tonight. I got a little something that I want to read to you. I need to find it. There it is. <clears throat> this uh, a plane is on its way to Toronto. And a blonde is sitting in the economy class. A blonde. I don't mean to keep telling all them blonde jokes. They just keep coming across my desk. Amen. A blonde was sitting in an economy class and she gets up and she moves up to first class. And the flight attendant watches her do this and she goes back there and says, can I see your ticket? She hands it to her. She says, I'm sorry, but you're, you paid for economy class. You're going to have to move to the back. The blonde looks at her. She says, I'm blonde. I'm beautiful. I'm going to Toronto and I'm staying right here. Well, it flustered the flight attendant. So she went to the cockpit. She told the pilot and co-pilot. Co-pilot said, well, I'll go back there and deal with it. He went back there and he said, ma'am. I understand you're supposed to be in economy class. You need to move back there to the economy class. She said, I'm blonde. I'm beautiful. I'm going to Toronto, and I'm staying right here. The co-pilot went back to the cockpit, and he told the pilot. He said, she won't move. And he said, what's the trouble? He said, I, I don't know. All she says is, I'm blonde. I'm beautiful. He said, oh, she's a blonde? He said, yes, yeah, she's a blonde. He said, don't worry about that. He said, I speak blonde. I'm married to one. He said, I'll go back there and handle it. He goes back there to where the woman's sitting. And he whispers in her ear. And she said, oh, okay. And she gets up and peacefully walks back there and sets in economy. It, this mystifies the, the flight attendant and the co-pilot. And they said, what did you tell her? He said, I told her that uh, uh, the, uh, the first class... Ain't going to Toronto. Oh. <laughs> Amen. I thought that was pretty good. I thought that was pretty good. Amen. It is good to see all of you tonight. Let me make a, a quick reminder of an announcement tonight. Remember... This week, we start our fast together as a church. We're praying for certain things, fasting for certain things, and preached about all that this morning. We're, we're looking forward to what God's going to do. And uh, so you join in with us. What we do is we begin this Thursday at lunchtime with our last meal. And wherever you are, whatever you eat, that'll be your last meal if you join in with us or if you're doing a partial fast. Uh, whatever you're doing with us, but uh, that'll be on that Thursday. Then we'll come in here on Sunday, and we're having some food catered in, uh, some barbecue. We're asking everybody to bring anything that'll go with barbecue, and uh, and we'll break our fast together this coming Sunday morning. And uh, it's also a celebration of Miss Debbie's birthday, and so we wanna we wanna gather around and celebrate. Did I say that right? No, it's just Debbie's birthday is all that is. But we're going to break our fast together that Sunday morning, and we will not be having su Sunday school, morning service, and uh, then after that morning service, we'll break our fast together. I'm looking forward to tonight's special. 
we have a new singer who is going to be singing for us. And I found out something about her, Miss Addison. She's just like, she's, a, she's after my own heart. She loves steak. Amen. And she wants to be a marine biologist when she grows up. That's a big aspiration. I'm going to be praying that you make that too. Amen. Y'all come on. Our Lord is taking good care of us. Amen. Acts chapter 10 tonight. Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter number 10. I'm going to be dealing with a subject tonight. I pray that it will be a blessing and a help to all of us. 
<clears throat> I preached this morning about fasting and dealt with the, the thought that the, we're living in some very demonic times today, and we are, and it's very depressing and, and uh, a lot of people disillusioned today, but thank God, greater is he that's in us and he that's in the world. I say hallelujah to that, amen. Glad to be on the Lord's side. Acts chapter 10 tonight, Acts chapter 10, when you find that spot, let's stand to give you the opportunity to stretch and to honor the reading of God's word. Acts chapter 10. <clears throat> There's a phrase in these verses, a simple phrase that I want to pull from, and I'll point that out in just a moment, then we'll, we'll use that as our title for this message in Acts chapter 10, this is the great chapter where the Gentiles begin getting in by the grace of God. And thank God, God opened the door for us Gentiles to get in on the wonderful saving grace of God. Acts chapter 10, Acts, uh, Peter stands up and he begins to preach and he says these words in verse number 34 of Acts 10. He said, then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, and he's not. He'll, he'll accept anyone that will repent of their sins and call upon his name. He'll accept them. And he will not cast out any person that will come to Jesus Christ. He said that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. And the word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word I say ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after, uh, after the baptism which John preached how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. That's the phrase that I'm interested in tonight, that little phrase, oppressed with the devil. For God was with him, and we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, who they slew and hanged on a tree. Him, God raised up the third day and showed him openly. I draw your attention back to verse number 38, where it says, In healing all. This is talking about what Jesus did for some people. He said he healed all that were oppressed of the devil. I want to use that thought tonight and bring that title to you, The Oppressions of the Adversary. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, tonight, Lord, we thank you and love you. We appreciate you being so kind and gracious to us. We appreciate everything that you've done, all that you've given us down through the years and especially this day. Thank you for being the God that you are, Lord. You're mighty good to us and we appreciate it. We appreciate all the food on the table, the clothes on our back, the ride to church, the church to go to, people to go to church with. We're thankful, Lord, in, in every aspect of our lives. Lord, you bless us, and we're thankful. Now, Father in heaven, as we approach this subject tonight, 
Please, Lord, let me feed your sheep and do it well. And, Lord, would you please create within me a clean heart, renew within me a right spirit, that I might be of good help to your people. We love you tonight and thank you for all things that you'll accomplish through this time as we gather ourselves around the good word of God. And we're thankful for everything in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen, Amen. You can be seated tonight. Peter is that chosen vessel of God to be the apostle to the Jews. He was chosen by God and God used him mightily throughout the early part of the book of Acts. And then in Acts chapter 10, God takes Peter and in a vision shows him through the letting down of a a knit sheet that God was going to accept the Gentiles. There was all kind of four-footed beasts and unclean things, animals in that in that sheet, and God told Peter, said, Peter, I want you to rise and eat. And then Peter looked at the Lord, and he said, Not so, Lord, for nothing unclean has ever touched my lips. He was a good Jew. I mean, he was a law-abiding Jew. And he said, I'll, I'll not do that, not so, Lord. And by the way, that little phrase, not so, Lord, does not go together. It's that just don't jive. You don't tell your Lord no. If he's really your Lord, you're not going to say no to the one who is your Lord. But Peter looks at him, he says, not so, Lord. And the Lord rebukes Peter and he says, don't you call uncommon or unclean what I have made clean. And he used that, that time, that, that dream to show Peter that he was going to open the door to the Gentiles. At this time, the church is just a few years uh, old and 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 the Lord's been doing many things. He's been doing a lot of things through the Jewish community. He began there in Jerusalem with the beginning of the church and how that, that began spreading. And now we come to this portion of scripture where Peter gets up and he begins preaching. He's got a mixed multitude. He's got Jew Gentile and God has miraculously opened up the door to the Gentiles. And Peter begins preaching to that mixed multitude. And he reminds them of something that the Lord had done. He said that how Jesus went about doing good and he does do good. Can I get a witness from everybody? He's a good God. He's good all the time. All the time he's good. And he said, and how that he healed them that were oppressed of the devil. I was studying and looking at some things in my personal Bible study and going through some personal things in my own life as a child of God. Some things just of recent, just of late that I encountered. Some things that were a battle, a war in my life and oppression was one of them. And so I began studying and looking at some things and being reminded of some things that that God had given me As a child of God, because we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And he causes us always to triumph. No matter what the situation, no matter what the battle, no matter what the the opposition. Thank God, he always causes us to triumph. And he said it like this. He said, who can be against them? 
if God be for them. And thank God, God is for His people. And this, this little thought of God, Jesus, healing all that were oppressed of the devil just captured my attention. I began looking at some things and studying some things and going through some things on this, this thought. Peter mentions the wonderful attributes of Jesus. But then he tells us and mentions the wiles of our adversary. He's a very good devil. Amen to that. He's good at being a devil. He's good at what he does. He's good at, at all the different ways that he manifests and works and uses his imps of hell to distract and discourage and, and disillusion, especially God's people. And he's working overtime. I don't believe he, uh, I believe he realizes that he don't have, the devil knows we're living in the last days. He's not ignorant. He's not ignorant. And he knows that we're living in the last days and he's working overtime trying to, trying to dishearten God's people and, and, and just cause them so much defeat in their lives that they'll just throw up their hands and say, what's the use? What does it mean to be oppressed by the devil? What does that mean? Well, I want to compare something and say a couple of things tonight in the outset of this thought. I want to say this, that there is a definite distinction between being possessed and oppressed. There's a big difference. Lost people can be possessed by the devil. God's people cannot be. You say, how do you, how do you arrive at that? There was a story that Jesus told of an unclean spirit that went out of a man. He said he went out of that man and he wandered in the wilderness in the desert and he wandered around and couldn't find anywhere to land. He said, well, I'm just going to go back to my house talking about whoever, whosever body he was in. He said, I'm going to go back to my house. And he carried seven more devils with him, more wicked than himself. And he went back and he said, when he got back to that house, said that he found it clean, swept, garnished, and empty. Empty, empty. That's the key to that. When, that. when that wicked devil got back to that man's body, he was able to enter back in and possess that man because he was empty. Can I say this tonight, that whenever a child of God gets saved, our lives are no longer empty. We are, we are possessed by Jesus Christ. We are possessed by the Spirit of God, and we cannot be possessed, possessed by the devil any longer. Hallelujah. Glory to God in the highest. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter number 5. And I want to show you something that transpires in the, in the early part of the book of Mark. Mark chapter number 5. I'm going to show you a devil-possessed man. And what happens whenever Jesus shows up in his life. Mark chapter number 5. It said in verse number 1, it says, And, and they came over unto the other side of the sea and... 
into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship immediately, there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, had a supernatural physical strength because that he'd been often bound with fetters and chains and the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped. This devil-possessed man ran and worshipped the Lord Jesus Christ, full of the devil, full of Satan himself. And when he saw Jesus, he ran and worshipped Jesus Christ. The Bible does say that the devils believe and tremble. The devil knows who Jesus is. Don't you ever get to thinking that he doesn't. This is one of the greatest studies, one of the greatest passages in all of the Word of God concerning and describing for us in great detail on what it means to be devil-possessed. It said, and he cried with a loud voice and said, What have I do to thee with Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, Jesus did, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. There was many personalities in this individual. There was many persons, many devils in this one individual, and they all could manifest themselves. You see all this stuff, all this science fiction stuff we see on TV, it's got a reality behind it that people don't understand is really real. When somebody's devil-possessed, they have a, a split personality, multiple personalities within them. That's one of the marks of being devil-possessed. And he said, what is thy name? He answered, Legion, my, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send him out, away out of the country. Now there were nigh under the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. Now this is a great, great revelation right here of what happened to these hogs when the devils went into these hogs. It said, And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently, ran violently down a steep place into what? The sea. Hogs don't like water. They're doing something unnatural to a hog. A, a devil will make people do unnatural things. We're seeing a lot of manifestation of devil possession today in our society. They're doing things that are unnatural. Unnatural. These hogs ran down into the sea. Hogs can't swim. Hogs don't like water. They like slop. They like mud. It said it ran violently down a steep place into the sea, and they were about, look at this, 2,000 of them. If I'm reading my Bible right, there were 2,000 devils in this one man. And when they came out, they went into 2,000 different hogs. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city, 
and in the country, and they went out to see what was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was, look at this, possessed with the devil and had the legion, look at this, sitting, clothed, and in his right mind. And they were afraid. When Jesus got a hold of this man, he was sitting, he was clothed, and he was in his right mind. That's what Jesus will do in somebody's life. They'll quit doing the unnatural things and begin doing that which is right. They'll have a right mind about them. Then it goes on to say, it said that, uh, and they came to Jesus and saw that, and they that saw it told them had befell to him that was possessed with the devil and concerning swine. Now look at it. Here's where America's at today. And they began to pray him, Jesus, to depart out of their coast. They didn't want somebody that could get rid of the devils. They didn't want somebody that could turn the unnatural into natural. They didn't want somebody that could take the wrong and make it right. But aren't you glad tonight to know that Jesus can take it all and turn it around and make it what it should be? Can I get a witness right there? For the lost, it said about the lost, it said that they are, they are carried captive by the devil at his will. When somebody's lost, they're on dangerous ground because the devil can do anything with their lives that he wants to. Matter of fact, they belong to him. Jesus Christ looked at them in John 8, 44. He said, ye are of your father the devil and the lusts of your father ye will do. Jesus didn't cut any corners with his crowd. He didn't cut, he didn't mince any words with his, that generation. He told them and looked them right in their God-given eyeballs and he said, you are of your father the devil and you're going to do what your father loves for you to do. I'm glad tonight to know that I cannot be possessed by the devil. We ought to take recess right there and shout a while knowing that we are possessed by Jesus Christ and belong lock, stock, and barrel to Him. He's a lot better to us than the devil ever has been. Some of you served the devil for years. I served him for 29 years. And I've been saved since 1982 and I can attest to this fact that Jesus is wonderful to me. He's, 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 he's marvelous to me in my life, my family, my, 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 me and my wife. I love being saved, but he cannot possess us, but he can oppress us. Matter of fact, he's so good at it that he got some of God's people convinced that he don't even exist. Or they keep forgetting that he does exist. He's got many tricks up his sleeve. And we get to wondering sometimes, what is happening to me? What is going on with me? Why do I feel so defeated? 
Why do I feel so disillusioned? Why am I so disheartened? Why am I, so, why am I just so down in the dumps all the time? Because there's an enemy out there that wants your life. He can't get your soul. He can't get, you, he can't get your, your, your salvation. But he can make you to the point where you don't even enjoy being saved because he oppresses people so well. I've personally just recently been through some things that uh, wreaked havoc in my mind and wreaked havoc in my spirit, and it it messed me up and didn't know what I was going to do, didn't know where I was, whether I was coming or going. Anybody ever been there before in their lives? If you've ever tried to do anything for Jesus, you know exactly what I'm talking about tonight. If you've ever tried to make your mark on this world for Christ, you know exactly what I'm talking about tonight. There's no one exempt from this war, no one exempt from this battle. There is an enemy out there that wants to oppress your mind. I got to wondering, I said, Lord, what does it mean to be oppressed? What does it mean? I looked up the word, and the word means to be burdened with unreasonable impositions. It means to be overpowered. It means to be overburdened. It means to be depressed. And it means to lay heavily upon the mind. That's where our war goes on. Our war is right between our ears and in that mind, and it, that's a battleground, and the devil is trying to get some of, some of the ground, and, and Jesus is trying to get more of the ground. And whichever one we let have way is who's going to win the battle. It means this. It means to weigh down. It means to crush. And it means this, to be pressed low. You ever felt low in your Christian life? You ever felt like I'm never going to get up again? I'm never going to come out of this. It's too dark. It's too black. It's too wrong. It's too ugly. This is just the way it's going to be for the rest of my life. Well, I want to. I want to go through some things tonight and just say some things and see if Jesus will help anybody in this room tonight. I want to say number one. We got to recognize the problem. We got to realize that when symptoms of oppression are upon us, we've got to understand it and realize it tonight. In Psalm 107 verse 39, it says, Again, they are minished and brought low through oppression, affliction, and sorrow. To be minished means to decrease. It means to lessen, to gather least, to bring to nothing. And the devil can so mess with your mind that you think that, that you'll never, that you're just nothing anymore. And Jesus does not even recognize your problems anymore. That's how low, that's how low, that's how low the devil wants to bring your mind. The Bible says, what is the normal Christian life? The normal Christian life is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's the normal Christian life. And the devil will do everything he can to fight against that and bring it just the opposite way. 
bring you sadness and bring you oppression in your life to where you can't, you don't even enjoy getting up of a day. You go through a day and you just, you drudge your way through it. And you wonder how am I, is nighttime ever going to come to where I can go to bed and just sleep this thing off? When the fruit of the Spirit is minished in our lives, we will become oppressed. He means for us to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. That's the normal Christian life. There's such a thing as occasional oppressions. We all have faced those, those times. We go through a, uh, just a season of it, just a short season. And, and even, even uh, Jesus himself was oppressed. And Isaiah 53 verse 7, talking about Jesus, said he was oppressed. And he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Even Jesus faced the oppressions of the enemy. And he went through that to understand what you and I go through. He came into our world to see what we go through in our world. And thank God he did. And thank God he understands we have a faithful high priest who is touched with the feeling of our infirmity. He knows, every, he knows everything that you're going through in your mind. And in your spirit, you say, Brother John, this is mighty depressing. Just hang on. We'll get to the other end of this thing. We got to wade through the deep waters before we can get to the victory side of it. There's occasional oppressions. Even Jesus faced it. There is satanic oppression. Satan will use people to oppress you. You ever been disappointed in anybody? You ever been upset with somebody in your life that you just, they were just very close to you, then something happened and it just seemed like out of nowhere they just, they just did something and it just, it just, you couldn't get it off your mind. It just oppressed you. It just brought you to a low point in your life. I've, I know of preachers who I thought highly of and now I see them hanging out with beers in their hand and alcohol drinking and sporting all kind of things of the world and Satan can use people to oppress your life he can use and it's always it's always it's always those who are closest to you it's always those who you know familiar Jesus said my own familiar friend hath raised his heel against me you know, it's nothing when an enemy does something wrong, but when that friend, that, that one close to you, that family member, that, that close associate that you, that you held close to your heart, and they do something, people, people can oppress you. Problems, problems, they can oppress you. You go through physical problems. You go through the physical pains of life. And, and by the way, save people go through those things. We're not exempt from physical pain. We all go through physical things that, that just hurt. They, they bother us. And we go from one doctor to the next doctor to the next doctor. 
And every time we go, it's just another bad report. It's another bad set of tests. And we try to find some kind of relief in a doctor. And we go and take this medicine and we get to feeling worse because we've taken this medicine. And it begins, it begins settling into your heart and your mind that there's just nothing anybody can do. And then it settles into your spirit and your mind becomes overwhelmed with where you are physically. And I'm speaking from experience. After I had my open heart surgery, they always told me that there would be a lot of depression that would follow. I had one doctor offer me a certain line of pills just to help overcome the the mental anguish that I was going to go through, the depression that they said was always occurrent when you go through something like that. And uh, we go through things mentally and in our spirits and the devil will tell us, yeah, you served him all these years and look where you're at now. You gave your heart and life to him and look where you're at now. I'm talking about real living tonight. I'm talking about real stuff tonight that happens to God's people, God's choicest people. And we wonder, is there going to be any relief for me? Is there going to be any help for me? We get oppressed in our mind. People oppress you and problems will oppress you. And I want to send out a warning to every one of us tonight priorities will oppress you. We get our priorities all out of whack. We get to running here and running there and thinking if we, if we can get a little bit of this and we get a little bit of that, we make more money if we can do this on our job and make this happen and make that happen, then we'll be okay. We'll be, we'll be happy then. We get our priorities all out of whack. And those priorities, our priorities should be seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to us. Our priorities can so get out of whack and it'll, ha- it'll happen on given days to any of us. We'll get, we'll get out of whack with our priorities and wake up of a day and We'll, get, we'll have things on our plate already and we go through things and we wonder, is there, and we get up and we just, we just go about our day. We don't pray, we don't read a Bible. Those, those times happen. But whenever that priority becomes a daily habit, we're not reading, we're not praying, we're not attending to the things of God. Remember that battle I told you? The only way that we're going to overcome anything of oppression is by taking that book and putting it in our mind, putting it in our mind, putting it in our mind. We cannot, we cannot, we cannot, we cannot go many days without that book flooding our minds and helping our faults, oppressions of the adversary. Satan will use people, he'll use problems, he'll use priorities. We got to remember the promises. We got to remember those promises. 
Oh, if we don't, if we don't remember the promises of God, we'll never come out of the despondency. We'll never, if we don't remember what Jesus has spoken into our spirits, greater, greater, greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. He's greater inside of us. He's greater inside of you. Satan has no power over you any longer. He has no rights in your life any longer. We've got to remember the promises. We've got to hold fast to what Christ has spoken to us. He said, I'll never, 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 never. I'll never, I'll never, I'll never. Not what you're going through right now. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Never will. He came into this world to learn about your oppression. He came to learn about your oppression. What you're going through. Right now. He knows all about it. He knows what has caused it. He knows where it came from. He knew, knows where it began. He knows what you're going through right now. And he's there. Remember what our text says. He healed Healed, healed all that were oppressed of the devil. We've got to remember the promises. Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden. I, I will give you rest, is what our Savior said. In Psalm 9, 9, the Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed. A refuge in times of trouble. He said, when I'm overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. A refuge is a high fort, a cliff, a defense, a lofty strength for a child of God. There's a higher place for you to attain. There is a, there is a getting up for you. There is a overcoming for you. There is a victory for your life. He has promised that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. You know, when I'm at my best, I'm, I'm, just, being, I'm just being candid tonight. You know, when I'm at my best as a Christian, when I am pouring myself into that book, when I, get so, when I get so involved in that book and the words that are on the pages, I've even forgotten to eat at times. And Job said, I've esteemed the words of thy mouth more than my necessary food. And when we get to a point where we're just pouring ourselves into that book, there is help for our minds. David said this, he said, keep me as the apple of the eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings from the wicked that oppress me, from the deadly enemies. In Psalm 42, he wrote these words, I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? He was overwhelmed. He was oppressed. Why go I mourning because of the oppression of, of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, my enemies reproach me. While they say daily unto me, where's your God at? Where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? 
Why art thou disquieted within me? Listen to what David told himself. He said, hope thou in God. Hope thou in God. Get up from here. Get up from here. You're a child of God. Hope in God. Sometimes we have got, we have got to quote the scripture to ourselves Realizing that the only hope that we have is God and his word and his promises to us. Psalms 44 verse 24 through 26. Wherefore hidest thou thy face and forgettest our affliction and our oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our belly cleaveth unto the earth. Arise for our help and redeem us. For thy mercy's sake. Can I say it like this? There is help from our God for all the oppressed. For every child of God that's ever been, been mentally oppressed and just, and just downtrodden by our adversary. Thank God there's a bomb in Gilead. Thank God there is a help that's on its way. Thank God there's a hand from heaven that when you can't reach up, he can reach down further than you can reach up and he can pull you up and, and you can reclaim the position that God has placed you in. You're a child of God. You're not a child of the devil any longer. You belong to Jesus Christ. You belong to him. Your mind belongs to him. Your soul belongs to him. Everything about you belongs to Jesus Christ. You're his, you're his, you're his. We must reclaim our position. Our text says that he healed all that were oppressed of the devil. I don't know about you, but the devil's worked overtime on my mind just of late. Used things, used people, used all kind of situations to just try to bring me to a point where I was just existing. I was just going through some motion. And I don't like living the Christian life like that. I don't like, I, I, I just do not, I don't believe our God intended for us to live like that. If it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, now can John Dale say, had it not been for God who is on my side, what would I do? Where would I go? Where would I be tonight had it not been for Jesus who is on my side? Sis, I want you to come on to the piano tonight. I want you to look in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 tonight. Ephesians chapter 4. Some precious, precious, precious verses through here. They say that Ephesians is one of the most profound doctrinal books ever written, dissertations that's ever been written. So much truth that it's hard to 
There's no way you could go through it one time and receive everything that's in it. You said in verse, beginning verse number 22 of Ephesians 4, he said that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Look at this. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying and speak every man truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another. Be angry. Be ye angry and sin not. Sometimes we just got to get mad at what the devil's been doing in our lives. Can I get an amen right there from God's people? Sometimes we just got to get just so put out with what he's doing in our minds, in our families, in our churches, in our brethren, and just get mad about it. Mad enough to where we're willing to let God do something for us. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Do this today, saying don't wait. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't stay mad long. Just get mad about it and let God do something for you. Look at this, verse 27. Neither give place to the devil. Don't let him, do not let him have your mind. Do not let him have your spirit. There's a, there's a song that, that is sung. For the world that's lost in darkness.